It's so good to be together, to get to celebrate, to worship, to, to share in communion, to kind of recenter um, our lives and to look ahead into a new week uh, together. I want to begin by posing a question, asking you to just think back a little bit. I want you to think about a time in your life where it felt like you had to take a great risk. Maybe it was a time where, you know, you thought, man, if, if I take this chance, if I take this risk, it could go really wrong or it could go really incredible, right? I was thinking back in my life, it was uh, 2004, the end of 2004 to be exact. Uh, my wife, Lisa, and I, we had been living in the Akron area, and we, were, we had been serving at the same church for about eight years, and things were going great, and we had developed such great friendships and relationships, and there was great ministry opportunity. I was serving alongside um, a pastor, a friend, a mentor, really, in my life. But then something happened, and he began to kind of lose sight of the real vision and the purpose of the church, and and the church was starting to wrestle without that vision, and, and things were getting hard, and we didn't know what to do. We were in a comfortable place. We were in a, a, a safe place. And so I wrestled, and, and long before I got to this place, my wife Lisa was saying, Todd, I, I just think that it's time. I think it's time. I think God's moving us, and I, I just wanted to stay faithful to where we were. And part of that faithfulness was, was honestly, it was a security. And I knew that where we were, I knew what it was about. It was the only church that we had been at. And I thought, what, what else would we do? Where else would we go? And it wasn't until one evening in the midst of a, a meeting with, with that senior pastor and some of the elders of the church that it became vividly clear to me. And God finally gave me the release, and he was like, it's time to go. It's time to go. And I remember with fear and trepidation saying to the board at that time, it's time for me to go. I can't stay. I was so overwhelmed we had bills to pay, a house payment. We had two little girls. I had nothing else to go to. And I remember thinking, what am I doing? It was such a big risk. Well, I, I started immediately looking online at other ministry opportunities, and I found this youth pastor position at this other church in Ohio. And before I could uh, make my way to go visit this church, I sent Lisa, my wife, as kind of a little spy. I said, just go check it out. Is it anything? And, and I, so she went up to this church for a weekend worship service, and I can remember her calling me on her way home, and I said, well, so what did you think? How was it? And immediately her response was, oh, man, it was awesome. She goes, it's way too good of a church for us. We never get to be in a place like that. Well, long story short, I applied for the position. And on January 31st, 2004, I got a phone call from this place called The Chapel. And they said, would you come and serve as our youth pastor? And that was in 2005, I began that journey. And now, here, 15 years later, I'm one of the lead pastors at a church that's just way too good for us. That I cannot believe that God would lead us to. And it leads us 
to a bottom line truth this weekend that we're going to see borne out in the story of Jonah and the Ninevites. And it's this, that the most dangerous risks often lead to some of the greatest rewards. I love being a part of this place. I can't imagine being anywhere else. When, when, when they first called and asked us to come, I felt like a, a little league ball player getting called up to pitch in a big league game. And it wasn't without the greatest of risks. I tell you, I'm a planner. I'm an organizer. I don't make quick decisions. And I don't make decisions that don't make sense. But that one, in that moment, it didn't make sense. It was an incredible risk. But sometimes the most dangerous risks lead to the greatest rewards. And that's what we see in Jonah's story. Those of you that have been journeying with us over these last weeks, we've been walking through chapter by chapter the, the life of Jonah. And I want us to start at the beginning of chapter 3, which is where we're going to camp out this weekend together. And the first phrase is really, really significant. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. It was a second time that God had to speak to Jonah because the first time God spoke to Jonah, Jonah would not listen. We followed the journey. God calls Jonah to go and, and preach to the city of Nineveh, and Jonah doesn't want to, and so Jonah runs the opposite direction. And we know, all know who that, how that turns out, right? We, we've, we've walked along with Jonah, and he tries to run from God. He doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, and so he goes the opposite way. He gets onto a boat. He ends up in the middle of the sea. There's a torrential storm. They're worried that the boat is going to break in half. Jonah goes down beneath the boat. Eventually, the sailors that are there throw him overboard into the waters trying to save their lives because they know that he's disobeying the God of the wind and of the waves, and Jonah sinks. He sinks to his death. He's swallowed by a great fish, and eventually, after he surrenders to God, the, sp the fish spits Jonah out onto dry ground again, and that is this moment. That is this moment where we find Jonah, and it says, the Lord speaks to Jonah a second time. And the question is, will he listen? The question for all of us is, will we listen and he says, get up. He says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This was a risk for Jonah. It was something that he did not want to do personally. And it was also something that was incredibly dangerous because you see, God said, go and to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I've given you. Well, where was Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrian Empire in that day and time was a wretched, evil place. In fact, Tim Keller in his book, The Prodigal Prophet, based on the, the life of Jonah, says that the Assyrian Empire was unusually violent. It slaughtered and enslaved countless people. It oppressed the poor. It was renowned for injustice, imperialism, and the oppression of other countries. And so we can understand a little bit of why Jonah did not want to go there. It was going to be a great risk. 
It was a horrendous place filled with wicked, evil people and violence was running loose. And it wasn't just that they were causing violence and taking uh, the lives of countless other people. They were starting to turn on themselves. Look at what Keller goes on to say. He says, the text shows that the impulse towards exploitation and abuse was also eating away at the fabric of Nineveh's society. It wasn't just affecting the others out there. It was affecting themselves. Evil was rampant and violence was left unshackled. And this is why I say that Jonah was about to take a great, great risk. He could have easily gone and they could have taken his life. But he takes the risk. And that's what we see in verses 3 through 4. It says, this time, this time, that second time, after Jonah had learned a hard lesson, a hard way, Jonah listens to God and it says, and Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh. Now, he probably obeyed hesitantly and he did so simply out of obedience. And sometimes that's what it means when it comes to following Jesus. Sometimes we don't want to do what he's calling us to do, but we're called to do it. And so we do it no matter what, even when it's hard, even if it might be a great risk, even if it's something that we don't personally want to do. And Jonah says he goes into the city of Nineveh, a city that's so large, it says it took three days for him to see all of it. And look at what it says. And on the day that Jonah entered the city, here was his message to them. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. You talk about a risk. This was not a message God sent Jonah into Nineveh and say, oh, just tell the people how much I love them. Tell them how much I care. You know, no, God was sending Jonah into this wicked, evil city with a message of judgment, calling them out in hopes of helping them turn back to the one true living God to stop the violence. God had had it, and that was, it was enough. And he wasn't going to let the violence go on in that city, and he wasn't going to let them continue to destroy each other. And so God sends Jonah at great risk with this message. Forty days from now, your city is going to be destroyed. You know, sometimes following Jesus means saying hard things. The book of Proverbs says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but a fool just multiplies kisses. A fool just tells you what you think you need to hear, what you want to hear. But a true friend and a true servant of Christ will say the hard things. And yet it's risky, isn't it? But it reminds us of this bottom line truth that the most dangerous risks often lead to the greatest rewards. And Jonah obeys. He takes the risk. He's risking his life proclaiming this news to the city of Nineveh. So the question is, how do they respond? And they respond miraculously. Look at the text. It says the people of Nineveh they believed God's message. And in the original language, it literally says they believed in God's 
message, in the God of the message. It's more than just, they, oh, they believe what, you know, the, this, this, this scary news about their city, but it was that they put their faith in the God that was sending the message. What an incredible reward. This wicked group of people that had gone completely the wrong direction, that were living such violent lives, destroying others and destroying themselves. And God in his mercy sends a messenger, Jonah, at great risk to communicate his truth and their, their utter demise if they do not turn. And it says the people, they believe God's message. And then from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. Uh, fasting was a way of uh, sacrificing and laying down one, one's own personal desire, sometimes to, to make penance for the wrong deeds that they had done. And wearing burlap was, was, was itchy and harsh, and it was, it was a reminder of the sorrow and the repentant heart. It was an outward symbol of an inward reality. And the, and the Bible says that from the greatest to the least, like, Everybody in Nineveh started to turn to the living God. Everybody believed the message. From the least, like the lowest, the poorest, the most downtrodden, to the richest and the wealthiest. In fact, it says even the king. You guys, now this is mind-boggling. This is, this is a bigger miracle than Jonah being swallowed by a whale and living. Look at what it says. It says, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, look at what he does. The king, the powerful one, it says he stepped down from his throne. He stepped down. It was like he was saying, I'm not worthy. It was like he was saying, I have led this nation, this empire, this city. And we are a city full of violence, and it's partially my doing, my leadership. And it says he stepped down from his throne and he took his royal robes off. The royal robes of that day would have been immaculate. They would have, it would have been beautiful. It would have been a multi-layer um, wardrobe for a king. And here it says, he stands up, he steps down from his throne, and then he strips himself. He takes off his royal garments, the things that represented the power and the authority that he had. And he takes it all off because he says, I'm wicked, I'm wrong. And it says, and he dressed himself. He dressed himself instead of the royal garments. He dressed himself in burlap as well. From, from, a, from a coat of beauty, and lavishness, and elegance, and power to a burlap sack, wrapping it around oneself. And instead of sitting on the throne, it says he sat on a heap of ashes. Do you see the reward for Jonah's risk? I mean, it did not have to turn out this way. They could have easily uh, called down fire on, on Jonah and, and kicked him out of the town or taken his very life. And yet because of Jonah's obedience, even maybe when he didn't want to do it, God gives the most great reward. And some people's lives are radically turned around, are radically changed. 
Look at what the king goes on. Now it says, then the king and his nobles, they sent this decree throughout the city. He said, no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything. It's interesting. Most times in that day when a fast occurred in a land, it would be because of the edict of a king. But here it says, as soon as the people heard God's word from Jonah, the people started to fast and the people put on burlap. And then the king heard about it as well. And so he joined in with them. See, the king wasn't even leading the charge. God's truth out of Jonah's mouth led the charge into the people's lives and they began to repent. And now the king says, everybody, everyone, everywhere, repent. Nobody can eat. He goes on, people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And he says, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. And look at what he says next. This is really significant. The king says to the people, they must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. What he at one time either looked, looked away from or turned a blind, blind eye from or perhaps even put his stamp of approval on in the violent ways that the city of Nineveh, Nineveh was living, now he's saying, turn. Turn and go the other direction. Turn away from your evil ways. Stop the violence. That word turn there is the same word that we get our word repent. To repent simply means to turn and go the opposite direction. To turn away from self. To turn away from violence. To turn away from sin and temptation. And to turn towards God. Towards grace. Towards love. And this is what the king of Nineveh is now saying to his people. What an incredible risk that Jonah took, but what an even more incredible reward. He says, who can tell? Who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. You see, the king knew that they were guilty and that they had been charged accordingly and that Jonah's message from God himself, that God was going to destroy uh, the city, was deserved. Yet Jonah takes the risk to communicate it and the king takes the risks of responding, but responding with repentance. One pastor puts it this way. He says, evil ways equal prison, but turning and repenting equals the potential of rehab. And that's what this whole city needed and needed desperately. They needed rehab. They needed to learn to, how to walk away from violence and sin and to, to turn towards the living God, towards love and towards peace. And if it were not for Jonah taking this incredible risk, they would have never seen this unbelievable reward. And look at how God responds. It says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, it says, he changed his mind. He changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. You know, the only times in the Bible when God changes his mind, it's usually always out of mercy and compassion. Thank God he changed his mind. Not just for them, 
but for us. <laughs> that, that we knowingly and, and ultimately destined for destruction and a life separated from the life of God, that God would change his mind and he would send his one and only son, Jesus, to pour out his wrath on for our sake. That's grace. That's mercy. That risk that Jesus took leads to the greatest reward that we could ever, ever fathom. The most dangerous risks often lead to the greatest rewards. So what's our risk? What's the risk that God's calling us towards? Because listen, God is calling us not to live always in a safe, comfortable way. Maybe some of us resonate with the Ninevites of the day. And we may not be going around doing violent acts, but we know the violence or the hatred or the wickedness or the sinfulness of our own hearts and our own minds. And maybe our risk, like the Ninevites, is to respond with repentance. To say, God, I'm sorry. To step down from the throne of our lives and to say, Jesus, you be the king. You be the leader of my life now. Maybe that's our response. Or maybe, maybe our risk is sharing our faith. I love what Tim Keller says here. He says, God is by nature a sending God. And he never calls us in to bless us without also sending us out to be a blessing to others. When we leave this place today, we don't just go back to work or just go back to school. We go out to God's mission field for you and me to be a blessing to other people, to stand for truth and to speak of God's love and grace. Sometimes the greatest risk is sharing that faith. And I know sharing our faith is risky and it's scary, isn't it? We live with the insecurities, right? Like, well, what if I start sharing about Jesus with somebody and they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Well, then just say, I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. And then come past, ask, ask Pastor Ryan, he'll tell you. <laughs> no, but get help and find the answers and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be insecure. God says, I will be with you. <laughs> Not only do we have insecurities, but we have uncertainty, right? Uncertainty of if we share our faith with somebody else, how will they respond? What if they reject me? What if, I mean, what, what if they make fun of me? What if they don't believe? Well, that part of it's not yours to do the convincing anyway. Our job is simply to represent Jesus and, and to share. Yeah, there's uncertainty. Did, did Jonah have any uncertainty when he went into Nineveh, this wicked, violent place, to tell them, oh, hey, guys, just wanted you to know God's going to destroy your city in 40 days. Bless you. Was there risk? Yeah. But the greatest risks will often lead to the greatest rewards. I mean, think about this question. What if running away from God's call to share our faith is the very thing that could be keeping peace? And that's a loaded question. And I'm not trying to make us feel guilty because I 
That, that question resonates with me. That question weighs upon me. And, and it's easy for us to say, well, you know, if God won't use you and if you don't obey God, well, then he'll just use somebody else. But what's interesting in Jonah's journey, when Jonah said no the first time, God didn't say, oh, it's okay. hey, forget him. Leave him in the, in the belly of the whale. I'll find somebody else to do my job. I'll, I'll find somebody else that will obey me. Somebody else. No, God wanted to use Jonah. And that's why he gives them a second chance. And that's why he gives you and me a second chance. He wants to use you. He wants to use us. But it's going to take a risk. And we don't know for certain what the outcome will be. But the ultimate outcome will be the ultimate reward of simply doing what Jesus calls us to do, no matter what. And leaving the results to him because the most dangerous risks often lead to the greatest rewards. So I want to leave us with some next step questions. Uh, What is the risk that we take? What is our next step in all of this in light of how God worked in Jonah's life and in the life of the Ninevites? Maybe it begins by living a life where people aren't surprised that we follow Jesus you ever had this happen, or maybe you've been having a conversation with somebody, and you say, they say, oh, do you know so-and-so? And you go, oh, yeah, actually, they go to my church. And they're like, oh, really? That's usually not a good sign. <laughs> and many of us, we're guilty of, we're guilty of, you know, maybe we have the courage to say the right things about Jesus, but our lives are speaking a different story. And and it doesn't matter what we say because people watch how we live. And so maybe, maybe the challenge, the risk for us is to start living in such a way that if people found out that we were followers of Jesus, that we went to church, they wouldn't be surprised. In fact, just the opposite. They'd be like, so that. That must be what it is. That's the difference that I see in her. That's, that's why he must be the way that he is. That must be why he loves people like he does. That must be why she's so kind and caring. That's the answer. It's the Jesus in them. A second next step, we just need to live lives of prayer, especially when it comes to those that don't know Jesus. Here at the chapel, we call it my three, just picking three people that we know that don't know Jesus and praying for them regularly. I'm telling you, when we pray, it, it helps us to lean on God. It shows our humble uh, admiration of him and our human weakness and frailty. And it's in those moments that as we seek him that he'll open doors of opportunity and he'll give us confidence and he'll give us courage and he'll give us empowerment to share his truth with other people, even tough truth, like Jonah had to do with the Ninevites, to pray, to invest and then to invite. Maybe it's this Easter. Maybe, maybe your risk is inviting a friend, a coworker, a family member uh, to just come to Easter service with you. Sometimes the greatest risks lead to the greatest rewards. And finally, what would happen? What would happen if we would be the church that God would be called, that, that, that God would be proud to call his own? not just individually reaching out, but as an entire body of believers, that the, the, the entire community of Port Clinton would be touched because of the people of the chapel, because we love Jesus, 
because we're willing to take risks. That means we're willing to reach out to the outcasts, that, 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 that life and church might get messy and that people might start coming here that don't fit the mold. But it's because we're willing to take the risk. Because the risk is worth the reward. The reward of following Jesus and obeying him unabashedly and then seeing how he wants to change people's lives, including ours. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are gracious and merciful and you had mercy on the people of Nineveh. You had every right to destroy them in their wickedness and violence and you have every right to destroy us. But in your mercy, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to take our punishment, to take our condemnation. And now you are calling us to be your voice, a voice of love and a voice of truth, a voice of, of power and authority and a voice of great humility and compassion. God, help us to risk, to risk for your sake, because great is the reward. I pray that you give us courage this week, and we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. Amen.